0: You're listening to The Echoes with me, Emily Andrew, the self-development podcast that explores personal stories, powerful tools, and an insight into the wide world of mental, physical, and spiritual health. Get ready to get curious, be inspired, and connect in. For those of you who had listened to the podcast that I had before, you may recognize my next guest, We had already discussed the origins of sobriety together as well as friendship and our common thread, which is acting and performance. But I'm really excited to bring her onto this podcast and the conversation that we had is such an inspiring one for anyone who feels like their self-worth has really taken a bit of a beating if they are exploring being curious about being sober, and just so much more. My guest is Elizabeth Morris, and she is a UK-based screenwriter and actor, and her latest screenplay is being directed by Idris Elba. With four years of alcohol sobriety under her belt now, she is keen to share her mental wellness journey with others. So I won't talk anymore, let's just get into it it's funny because it feels like we should be really old hats at this but actually it's been a a few years um there was one point where I figured that we'd just have some kind of podcast together because you were appearing on tribe talk so many times and then this is all a very good thing um but for for people that have a, a, a new listeners or people that aren't familiar with you how would you describe yourself tell us who you are and a bit about what you do?
1: Okay so why is that such a massive question where do I start how do you answer this? (laughs) It's really hard. I'm Elizabeth Morris I'm a screenwriter and I have been working in the film industry for about 12 years now and for the past four years I have been on quite a journey regarding kind of mental health and reshaping my brain and how I apply that to my work and to my whole life and I imagine that's pretty much what we're going to cover today hence mentioning those two things um yeah that's kind of that's how I would describe myself I I I suppose it's always a really difficult one isn't it and I think
0: I'm gonna I'm gonna make it even more difficult by saying who are you
1: when you're not working (laughs) when am I not working that's the question at the moment it's always constant (laughs) constant 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 okay when I'm not working that's a good question um I would definitely describe myself as a creative person so when I'm not working I'm generally spending my time doing something of a creative nature whether it is painting I love painting actually I In my free time, I absolutely love to paint and draw. Singing, much to my neighbour's despair, I expect. Top of my lungs. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm in their camp. (laughs) Absolutely. Spending time with my lovely boyfriend, my family. Um, I'm a very, very dedicated auntie to two amazing, amazing children. My niece, who's five, and my nephew, who's one. And they are the absolute joy of my life um so yeah i would say i'm very family orientated i'm very much um i enjoy these days being at home i think um i used to describe myself as probably as an extrovert very much constantly with friends or in social environments always out and about and these days i really love being at home so i am quite often just sort of cozied up at home uh and I've been quite lucky to be able to travel this year as well I do love to travel so I've been yeah it's been a good year actually a very good year yeah
0: good year it's good good it's been a good
1: year yeah yeah actually I'm really happy to say that yeah
0: I think it is really interesting as well when you reflect on on that of like who actually am I because I think Mm -hmm. When when you're younger there's so much pressure on figuring that out and actually um you know, we're not we're not pushing ninety or anything. You know, no. we have still got a lot longer to go. <laughs> but I think that there's almost uh uh an acceptance of like, oh right I'm gonna I'm gonna keep changing, I'm gonna keep evolving, I'm gonna keep going through different phases of my life and understanding about who I am behind coping mechanisms or identities and things shifts and change and I think that it's such a it's so nice when you feel a kind of peace with knowing that you don't fully know sometimes yeah
1: you know things change and actually when you asked the question um you know what do you do or who who are you I realized that that my answer to that question is so far beyond what it used to be and I think that's where it feels a little bit jarring sometimes to be asked that because if you'd asked me that same question say four years ago the answers would have been completely completely different and actually when you stop and think about oh who am I what do I do what do I like what's really nice actually is that my head kind of goes. Oh, there's so many. Th- there's so many things I've got. I've got lots of lots of answers to that question. Whereas at one point I can remember actually, we'll just go straight into it. Therapy. It was a therapy session, <laughs> but about probably about three years ago, and I was asked to write down um, on a piece of A4 paper in the middle of it, I am, and then a load of branches off. You know, to to describe myself, and I honestly couldn't think of a single thing. I didn't know, I had, I had nothing. I didn't know how to answer it because I was so conf- so confused about who I was to the point where I can remember doing an interview for something regarding a film project. And one of the questions was, it was things like, what's your favourite music? What's your favourite food? What's your favourite, you know, all these questions. And I did not know. I had absolutely no answer to any of those questions because I had absolutely... No idea who I was. I didn't know what I actually liked, and I can remember having an absolute meltdown over these questions because I had. I just had to sort of make it up, lie, and and I never felt that it was okay to say I don't know or I like all the foods, all the genres, all that you know. Having to kind of, I think there is a certain expectation on all of us to kind of pigeonhole ourselves into, for example what films do you like Well, to me i have i i find it so difficult to answer that question because i don't have a specific there's not a specific genre that i particularly like it's kind of a bit of everything same with music same with art same with clothes same with everything there's so much sort of variety to it and i feel much more i, I allow myself to say i don't know and that's and that's who i am i don't i don't, I don't know what you know it's kind of, um, there's just such a variety and it's such a mix and that's what it is. But I do remember that just being, a, I actually remember that being a very distressing question at one point. And now it's not, it's sort of fun to play with it, if that makes sense.
0: Mm. Yeah, instead of it being about, I have to define my identity, it's like, well, who mm-hmm. am I today? Like, what do I like today? Yes, yes, today, what do I like today? A bit of peace and quiet, <laughs> yeah. Yes, And yeah. I, I think maybe people respond to that in a bit of a way because it becomes a bit more unpredictable and they're like, oh, but we can't control you because we can't control, like, we don't know. And there's like an uncertainty Mm -hmm. around the freedom and and people can sometimes find that quite difficult. Yes, because they can't put you in a
1: box that they recognise. Yeah, I know. People do like to be able to put people into boxes that they recognise. That makes them feel comfortable, mm. I think. But yeah, like you said, that yeah, who am I today? Mm. Today I'm I'm quiet and I'm comfortable and I'm cosy and I'm warm. And I, and then other days it's like running around and go to the gym or, you know, certain days I'll be, you know, eating super healthy food and really loving that. Other days it's let's get a pizza. And, you know, like there's not, I, I, I love the variety. I like honouring the variety that life offers and just kind of like taking a bit of everything. <laughs> Yeah, it's like that flexibility,
0: which is so mm. refreshing as well. Freeing, um,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. And I guess at that time, so when we last sat down and really had a big conversation recorded, yeah, um, you had not long stopped drinking. Mm. And so it sounds like that that moment was after that, which... I guess makes sense because it's mm. almost like one, because I think when you do stop drinking, there is a, a, a thing of like, oh shit, like, who am I? <laughs> what, who am I? Mm-hmm. What do I do? Yeah. And
1: like, is that kind of what had happened? Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think at that point in, I think in very early sobriety, you are fa- you're faced with so many questions about yourself one massive question being why was i drinking so much or why did why was alcohol a problem for me and that is such a massive uncomfortable question that i that it takes so much time to sort through that um that i do think at the beginning it can feel like you're free falling and you have no idea where you're going to land but then After that, or during that time, kind of being able to gather tools and learn about yourself and kind of, um, yeah, I'd say with the tools, it's like you, you kind of are forced to find the things that help you through the moments that you thought alcohol was helping you through. So, for example, you have an argument with somebody or you have a really bad day. How do I manage this? Because previously it would be like, well, I'll have a glass of wine. And we all know that doesn't actually help. But you sort of think you kind of lured into the the false belief that it does help. Or maybe it does help momentarily. And then it gets, if alcohol is a problem for you, it can then become catastrophic. And it can make the problem so much worse. But th- those were sort of the immediate things that you, alcohol would be the immediate thing you'd reach for. Because it's maybe all you knew. But when you don't have that, you are forced to find other ways of dealing with those really really uncomfortable feelings that you never ever learned to manage or to and actually probably never had enough time to fully sit with to actually understand what those feelings were or where they were coming from so yeah I think in it in early sobriety not knowing who you are is massive I think that's a it's a massive massive thing and it's really uncomfortable
0: and i think that's why so many people totally change their life like you mm-hmm. know people will join a gym join a join crossfit or you know come up with like they will it's almost like finding where you belong again all yeah. over again it's like yeah w- where do i fit now if i don't yeah. have this where do i fit and but i think yeah. you you highlighted the real difference between stopping the behavior which is drinking and then finding other coping mechanisms but you actually said like why was I doing it and it's getting behind that 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 means that the change isn't a superficial one because if we're just focusing on the symptoms and the stopping then we're going to end up transferring to you know a problematic relationship with exercise or food or yes you know Gambling, yes, you know that we we will find something else to bridge that gap that we have
1: been feeling. You're completely right because it's like replacing one addiction with the other, even if it is something that has got positive connotations, socially positive connotations, like exercise, which we all know can evolve into something problematic. Even I would say, for me, I think actually a, a lot of my early sobriety ended up I'd say maybe seven months in was lockdown Mm -hmm. so I didn't have the option to go to anywhere really there was so much sitting with it that I I think at that point was like I need help I need I really need a professional to help me through these feelings I don't know how to to do this and I think had that not been the case I may have actually just transferred that one thing I may have just transferred it onto another and not fully dealt with actually the why. And it is figuring out those, figuring out why you were doing it or why it was a problem. I think that can probably be delayed if you're just transferring one habit onto another. So for me, it was really, really uncomfortable. But then I decided to go into therapy to talk about it. And that's when huge changes started happening. And that's when I was asked to write. I am and I had no idea I just I was so so lost and so empty and distressed like the level of distress that I was feeling was so uncomfortable and I didn't know why you know what you know when you're feeling that, that thing where you've got that kind of funny feeling in your time I know anxiety manifests itself and feels very different to everybody but for, for me it would be sort of like a it almost feels like a coldness in my in my stomach, like just above my belly button. I can almost feel feel it, and sometimes it would just be there, lingering, and I I would not know why. So then I would just cry, and I'd be so frustrated with the feeling, and I couldn't link it to a thought or a thing or an experience or anything until then. Going into therapy, and then it was okay. Let's start with baby steps, and then it went quite deep, and then it did get, you know, it it it's an amazing process to go through but it is a lot yeah it's a real journey I think Mm. as
0: well sometimes when we have that feeling we identify as that feeling as well like if we can't understand the thought or the why like why is there there's almost a part of us that's like oh well that's who I am and this feels really uncomfortable yes so I can't be this yes and that's when the and I think (laughs) the transference thing as well I think You know, it can be, it it can feel really, like, hard because, you know, you feel like, oh, there's just another thing. But actually, like, if it's a form of harm reduction, then it's okay to, as long as you know that you're doing this thing, this transference, whether it's, you know, shopping or sex or, you know, there's so many behavioral things that we can effectively move our addiction into. And if it's if it's working as a harm reduction tool for you, then give yourself some compassion and some some grace with it and be like, as long as I know that this is what I'm doing and Mm. when I'm ready, when I start, you know, when I've built up these tools and this resilience, then that's when I can maybe look at this a bit further and try and unlink and, you know, that's fine. But if it's harm reduction, then let it be harm reduction for a moment. Don't beat yourself up over it because, I think that's the thing, there's so much shame already when you are trying to change something that feels like an addictive thing. There's only so shame there's so much shame in being that. And that coupled mm. with that identification of I am this feeling and I cannot be this feeling. It just it it feels like you're just white knuckling through it, doesn't it? And actually yeah. Yes we don't need to.
1: You're so right in what you're saying about um the thought or the belief of I am this feeling it's taken me up until actually quite recently to be able to allow myself to have a bad day without it meaning I am depressed I have depression I am broken I am doomed this is dangerous this is just who I am I have somehow managed to get I say somehow I know how I've got here but it does sometimes feel like magic when I'm having a bad day and I can almost step outside of myself and look at it and say, oh, she's having a bad day. She'll be fine tomorrow. Or maybe it'll be a couple of days, but it's not going to be months. I know that this does not mean months of mental distress or meltdown or just being in bed under the covers, not doing anything. I know that I am now like any other human being. I think that's the other thing is we think. When we are in it, and when it's really bad, we think that no no one else experiences it. This is the worst. This is the worst any human being could possibly feel. I am so broken. I am the most broken person that there is. And actually, um, stepping outside of that and allowing yourself to just have a bad day and realize that all human beings have a bad day. All human beings feel sadness and distress and all of those things in a variety of colors and extremities and degrees and we are that's just part of the human experience and it's okay to feel like that one day and feel and feel good the next that also doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you i think that for, for me for a while i sometimes couldn't understand that it was possible to feel bad one day and good the next again i sort of thought well that must mean there's something wrong with me no it just means yesterday wasn't great today's wonderful that's okay and it's, I'm, I'm still probably learning that a little bit, that it's, it is okay to have that variety of feelings. But also I would say that now, those feelings are not anywhere near as extreme. So if I feel low, I don't feel, I don't, I don't go to the depths of lowness that I used to. And the same with the high, I think. And actually with alcohol, you are trying to chemically generate that high, and it works sometimes and you go soaring up there and you come crashing down and it is you are if you were to look at it on a piece of paper you are zigzagging up and down the page like that whereas now I can I could probably draw my emotional scale in a much smoother um less extreme line you know it looks much more fluid and much more human than this kind of monstrous thing that I used to identify with like the extreme lows and extreme highs. And actually when you take that thing out, that chemical thing that is making you go up there, you are also taking when you take that away, you're also removing the thing that made you go so low. And I think that's why life does just feel a bit more fluid and more manageable, more manageable. Emotions feel more manageable. Equally when I think when you are so focused on your mental wellness and it becomes I would say like um, preserving or taking care of my mental health is my full-time job everything else is kind of extra and so when there is a moment that where you don't feel great or you feel a bit low I think you feel you can feel it almost even stronger because it—it it is almost a fear of it going lower so it's kind of like quick 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 get better get better get better and so I'm still actually learning to just relax into a variety of emotions and allowing all of them to exist because there is merit in all of them um we are supposed to feel all of them just it just doesn't have to be so extreme
0: do you feel like part of you attached yourself to like in terms of like that i am there there's that part of you that's like these these the emotions that i'm feeling they are me like that's my worth yes. that's like if I am having a bad day it means I'm a bad person living a broken yes. life that kind of was that
1: the yes yes because that I think that was that was my identity I would have I would have probably at one point identified as an angry sad person <laughs> I can't even fathom I can't even the thought of me even thinking that about myself now is I'm i, I I'm glad to say I feel so far beyond that being the way that I would identify myself as, but I did for a really long time, probably throughout my whole, the whole of my twenties, late teens. And my twenties, I would have identified myself probably as an extreme person who was often, I would, yeah, I am angry. I am sad. I am crazy. I am crazy. That would have been probably, that would have been my belief. I am crazy. As a, at now at you know at thirty three and having gone through the do, doing the work going through sobriety, completely reintroducing myself to myself and getting to know who i am i i can I can look at myself with total compassion and see how that happened i I get it whereas when I was in it, i just thought i don't i don't understand why i 'm like this i 'm just broken i 'm just crazy that 's just who I am and when I was 29 or 28 I met somebody who is now one of my I I love her to pieces and she is one of my closest friends and I met her she's called Sam um she'd messaged me on Instagram she's an actress and I'd just done a film that she'd seen or she'd sort of We've had mutual, I think we had some mutual work contacts, and she'd message and said, Oh, would you, do you fancy meeting up for a coffee? And from her messages, I could tell that she thought quite positively of me. And so I felt really uncomfortable at the idea of meeting her because I was convinced that she'd meet me and be so disappointed. So I didn't feel comfortable with, with, with letting this person down, but she, thank God, was really persistent, and she was like, "I think we should meet for a coffee. It would be great to chat." And so I was really nervous. And as soon as I met her, she walked into the coffee shop, and she was just this sort of—I can just describe. I can only describe her as this glowing angel. <laughs> Actually, she'd just been to the gym, and she was in her gym kit, and she was like, "Sorry, I'm sweating. I've just got off the gym." And she was, but to me. She was just this, she was glowing from the inside out. And I just thought, who is this girl? Who is she? She's, she just looks like joy. And it, actually, you know, the film Inside Out, she was joy and I was sadness. That was how, that was how I, I saw us. <laughs> and um, we'd been chatting for a bit and she told me that she'd never drank alcohol. And I had, uh, I was like, what? You've never drank, you, you don't drink. And I had never met anybody. I'd never, ever met anybody that didn't drink. And I couldn't believe it. And there was something, there was something in that meeting that made, that set this kind of thought in motion for me that maybe I could be happy like her or I could I could feel or come across like her even um and I think that I always say she was a bit like this kind of guardian angel that just just sort of appeared out of nowhere um and then we and then we got talking a lot about um spirituality and meditation and all these things that were so alien to me but it seemed to be working for her um and I was like it wasn't long after that that I, that I gave up drinking. I'm very, very grateful to her for that.
0: Yeah, it's amazing the people that you meet in, in life and the mm. people that kind of come and go and people that stay. And yeah, I think that, I think it sounds like just fate. One of the things that, and we talked a lot about the beliefs of like, I am sad. I am, I mean, I am crazy is a big yeah in terms of like beliefs and if you have that running this belief like i am crazy i can't really imagine what your self worth must have been like well
1: i really think at one point i just had none um that that belief of i am crazy and i am all those sort of negative belief patterns really started for me in my teenage years and they just sort of got worse and worse and worse and i don't know sometimes sometimes i was confident sometimes i was happy sometimes i you know i was i it's easy for me to sort of paint that whole part of my life as just negative and it's it's not they were i have had times of joy and times of ease and times of happiness but in general the default that i would go back to is i am crazy Um, And then you start to behave that way as well, I think. Um, But something, this isn't necessarily a topic that I'm uh, in any way qualified to talk about, but something that I find really interesting that I'm looking at at the moment is um, birth control, hormonal, all these sort of hormones that we're put on from a very young age. Girls are put on those quite often at a very young age to control periods, period pains, whatever, it is, it seemed to be this sort of blanket solution to anything period related. And we're all just put on them. And I'm pretty sure that that is when I started to feel a bit crazy. Um, and then the other thing that's very interesting is, again, I don't know much more than this other than what I'm going to say, but there is research being done at the moment about the link between hormonal birth control and antidepressants and if they're taken at the same time. I know nothing more about it and I obviously don't want to share any sort of misinformation, but the fact that that is being researched and that there may be some kind of um, link between those two and mental health issues to me is massive because I was put on medication during a period of grief my grandmother passed, away, I was 19 and I was put on antidepressants and I don't think I should have been. I was in a really destructive relationship. I was going through grief and I was just put on antidepressants rather than having someone say to me, why don't you speak to a mental health professional? Let's see if we can kind of get to the bottom of this. Why are you feeling this way? And then from then on for the next 10 10 or so years, I was just on both of those things, both of those things that can create havoc within your mind and your body. Um, and I was just taking them. And I do think that it made my brain a different version of what it naturally is. It's just something that I find very, very interesting because you hear so many women say, I feel crazy. Um, you know, women who are going through the menopause say it, they feel crazy when we're premenstrual women say i feel crazy and those when when it is sort of just naturally part of your cycle that's one thing but when you feel like that all the time because you are there is no you're not able to identify any sort of cycle any kind of patterns because things are just sort of like constantly being pumped through you it's so difficult to identify reasons for things or why you might feel a certain way. And I do, I think in the same way that I attribute my current sort of mental wellness to a huge combination of things, I feel the same about my previous mental distress or mental health difficulties. I attribute that to just a huge variety, a combination of so many things one probably being being put on birth control at so, so young um a medication that I maybe shouldn't have been put on mm. mixing that as well with alcohol is like that's why I sort of said earlier I can understand now in hindsight and with compassion why I felt crazy for so long because that's what I was doing in my brain was a combination of chemicals that shouldn't have been in there and i still have some i still have a lot of research to do on that whether i whether i want to sort of research that or whether i do just kind of let it be because i'm now not on any of those things and there's nothing wrong with having those things if they're working for you but if they're not and you're still on them i, I don't know there's there's still i still i just have a lot of a lot of feelings about about that um and i do sometimes just think no wonder i felt crazy no wonder at the best of times you know that it no wonder, my brain didn't feel like I think my brain didn't feel like mine for a really long time.
0: I think it's like it's, it, again it looks at the sim at controlling the symptoms rather than the cause the the mm. issue. It like the the main thing is yeah. that, you know grief is a really difficult one because grief is a, a part of life. If you love, you yeah. grieve. Like, We're supposed to, we are supposed and, to yeah. But, but, but for some people it's i mean i i can remember when my nan died i i thought i was physically dying i just i could be
1: wrong here but i'm sure i can remember you Would this have, would, was this around 2007 2008 i was at uni yeah i can died. remember yeah i i can remember seeing you curled up on a sofa in the refectory under your scarf and i remember someone i remember saying is she okay and someone said that your nan had just passed away and i remember i remember it because i was going through the same thing and i really felt for you because you were just curled up on the sofa and it was really painful to see actually
0: it's really odd isn't it because we i mean back then at uni we didn't really speak like we didn't really know each other that well. And, we didn't. Um, but we were no. both going through very similar experiences at the same time.
1: Yeah, I wish we had spoken really, and I think it was that sort of like the the year groups never mixed, did they? There was sort of this thing of mm. you just don't <laughs> you don't talk to each other, you don't mix. Um, and that that was actually the period of time for me where I feel like a lot of things started for me and I imagine possibly the same for you it sounds like that it was a sort of a very difficult time
0: yeah I think my issues had started before that like in terms mm. of like my eating stuff but that was yes the, that was when I I just sank into like depression and like all of that but I, I think it's interesting as well because obviously we both we both did before we asked. and I think that mm. there is a part that was in both of us of just like, just keep going, like, you know, show up, act your socks off, sing, dance, do like, do all the things. Like, although there was part of us that is crumbling and couldn't cope, this other part comes in to just
1: snowplow. Well, it's quite handy when you have to just be someone else, <laughs> I guess for the day to turn up today and I have to play a part and be somebody else. I think as difficult as that time was, it was probably extremely helpful to be able to channel or I don't know whether it's channeling it or actually compartmentalizing it. Perhaps a bit of both. Um, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I have no recollection of memories around that time. So you've given me a little nugget mm -hmm. of my life back.
1: sorry I I don't even know I don't know if that was the best thing to have given you but it was no I do I do very much remember fascinating yeah but with grief I the I don't know how you feel about this I think when it comes to grief if it is so unmanageable that you can't get out of bed and taking medication is going to at least get you out of bed to be able to walk around and live then I get it but if it is to cover over the natural process of grief and not allow you to actually experience it I just think it's delaying things that's I'm I'm, I am almost certain that's what happened for me that it just covered over a load of things and then it all comes out later I think that's my experience anyway I think
0: because I know self worth is something that you wanted to talk about. It's like we were saying right at the start, it's always a process of who, like who am I, discovering and all of that. But I think that when you get to a point where things have come to a, a head, and you know you you you're in that place of realization and and perhaps moving away from things that feel more damaging there is a process of trying to build ourselves back up again and i'm just interested how that how that's looked for you and how that process has been
1: so again i would um i would say it's definitely a combination of things the main thing i think that has really helped is verbal affirmations, positive self-talk, saying things out loud, even at the beginning when that feels, it can almost even feel like a lie. But if you start really small with things like, okay, this sounds really basic, but things like, I am alive. I am dedicated to being alive. I'm glad I'm alive. I'm glad I'm here. Starting small with just sort of saying those things out loud, because when you're just getting into it, saying things like, I am worthy. I am amazing. I am, you know, those, those don't feel in line with how you actually are feeling. And it can feel like a lion. I can think, I think it can have maybe actually the opposite effect. So if you start small with things that are positive and true, like I am alive, then you have something to go from. And then that starts to feel good. And then that starts to be the truth. I'm glad I'm alive. That's the truth. Okay, today that is absolutely the truth. And that continues to be the truth. Then you can start introducing things like, I am better than I was yesterday. I am improving. I am dedicated to being well. I'm happy that I'm feeling better just think things that are true things that are positive and true and then you can start amping it up a bit and then you get to a then you can kind of uh, then those things those start to be your truth then you start living by those things and you start living that way and it, it I did go through a phase I've sort of calmed down a little bit now but I went through a phase of from literally like jumping out of bed and I was like I'm alive and it's great and I'd love to be here, possibly like a little bit on the the higher level of kind of, you know, slightly extreme, but at least it was positive and I wasn't really going back down again. I just kind of was, I found myself in this unknown phase of total serenity that I had never experienced before. And it was from saying things out loud and starting to believe them. And I just think there's so much merit in the things that we say have so much power over our belief uh, belief system, writing them down as well, seeing them written out on the page, getting things out of your head and writing them down on the page. Journaling is a huge one for me. And I used to, I've always, always journaled. I've always kept a diary. I've always written things down. I have done that since I was a kid. I've got stacks and stacks and stacks of diaries and journals. And when I was a kid, it would be like, this is what I did today. This is, the, you know, quite, quite basic stuff. As a teenager, it became, my journal was all about the negative. It was just basically reaffirming every single negative thing. I'm this, I'm that, this person's this, 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 reaffirming all the negatives. And in one way, it was really helpful to be able to at least get things out of my head and put them on the page, but it was still negative reaffirming. So now I am quite deliberate as well with what I journal. So if I'm feeling, if I'm having a bad day or I'm feeling some uncomfortable things, I will address them, but I will still write them down with a positive spin as much as feels possible on that day. So that I'm just reaffirmed, constantly just reaffirming, like, it's like exercising a muscle, the, the muscle of positivity and positive self-talk um, to the point where now I can walk into a room full of people who at one point I would have put way above me and believe, genuinely believe that I'm walking into the room as an equal. And that's huge for me. And that is from doing that work and that process so religiously and so much that I now fully believe, not even just believe, I know I'm an equal. I know I'm allowed to be there. I know I'm worthy of a position at that table. I'm just, you know, if I'm talking about sort of work, for example. That's now my knowledge rather than even a belief. I think it can go from belief then into knowledge. That's solid. That's who I am. And I do think it comes from what we literally tell ourselves and tell other people. So I am careful now about if I'm feeling self-doubt or if I'm feeling anything negative about myself, which, again, as a human being, that does come up but I'm very careful about how how I say that out loud. So for example, if I'm talking to a friend and I want to you know, communicate something to help me feel better about it, I will at my very best, at least communicate it in a way that still allows me to feel positive about myself in some way. Even the act of saying, I'm feeling this thing about myself and I don't want to feel that. That's positive. It's it's still a positive act to, you know, actively try and change your mindset on something. So you at least even starting conversations with that sort of positive objective really helps. And it is just, I think it's it's such a process. There is um another thing that kind of it, it links to this, but there is something from For me um, about so the word faith for example and I don't mean this in the religious sense I guess it could be seen as a form of religion in a way Um, a faith in something bigger and also a faith in myself and a faith in the link between the two so that kind of I guess the faith in knowing that I'm the creator of my own Reality. I'm the creator of my thoughts. I can choose what I think. And if I am telling the world that I am feeling positive things about myself, I'm getting positive things back. I have put that into practice now for a number of years. And to me, it works. And I know for so many people that does work. If you put yourself forward, and you give off a a, a vibration, a positive vibration about yourself, you do get it back. You always... I, I do, I do genuinely believe that, um, that life and your experiences are very much a mirror of what's going on inside. That can feel really uncomfortable at times because it sort of puts it all on you. <laughs> okay, what am I doing to create this this terrible experience that's happening? Um, but I do fully believe that. I do fully believe in um, the power of positive affirmation, and regarding faith and that kind of, I suppose it's sort of spiritual in a sense, um, The that belief in there's something bigger. There is an app that I use um, which, which just tells you to list positive aspects. It's um, Abraham Hicks and all the kind of teachings of Abraham Hicks. It's about law of attraction and all of that, all of that stuff, that whole world, which is a whole separate conversation. But, um, There's an app on my phone and one of the games, they call them games, which I love because it's playful, is just list positive aspects and it'll give you a prompt. Positive aspects about your home. Okay, I've got house plants. I love my house plants. I have a heater. I'm comfortable, I'm safe. You know, just those things. List of positive aspects about your family. Da, 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 list of positive. And it just, if you're starting to feel a negative wobble, just getting yourself into a positive mind frame at least about something is so powerful, and that has been that's been absolutely key for me, and that's something I absolutely didn't have at all at one point. so that's been that's new and it is now part of me, I think belief, faith, faith in something for sure. Mm.
0: no, I love that. And you can tell that you're so passionate about it because you just light up and you start talking about it as well. like there's and there's so much confidence and like you can see the, you know, anyone watching it on on YouTube will be like, "Yeah, like you can, you can just get it." And I think that's the thing. It's about being able to find the things that do build you up, because yes. it is so easy. Like we are so used. dexter's just walked
1: in. I was going to say, is that a dog or a baby? <laughs> Could be either. Could be either. Oh, hello. Um, I just remembered when he did that massive leap over the. Do you remember? I came to your house, and he he leapt over the um. You had like extreme. a stargate thing. Oh, stargate! <laughs> I've never seen a dog jump that that high. It's just-
0: he can jump higher than I uh, stand. It's he's. I don't know what he is. They say he's an Irish doodle, but I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> also, his tail propelled him over it. It's like both feet, all four feet, off the ground, and his tail propelled him forward over that staircase. And he was in the kitchen where he was not supposed to be. Yeah,
0: yeah. He's uh, he's got he's continued his <laughs> sass. The older he's got how how old was he when you saw him then he must have that would have been young.
1: probably about three years ago
0: yeah yeah he's four now I mean it sounds like as well that I'm, I'm one of the questions when you first started asking talking about it was that, that I thought about was like how is the world how is how have you found your outer world has responded to you but it sounds like you know being able to walk into a room and be like no I'm I'm meant to be here and having that like self-assuredness it, yeah it sounds like it. I mean I don't think I even need to ask the question but tell well us. it's
1: just well it's massive because actually actually one of the things I realized recently was and this was massive for me I was um asked to go to London for a meeting and it was the first meeting for this job that I'm currently on and it was quite it was the I think actually it was probably the first in-person meeting that I've had since lockdown because everything I do is on Zoom. And I didn't realise, because you sort of feel like you are in a room with people, I just didn't realise that it, I hadn't been to something like that in so long. Um, and I arrived in London, I was on my way to the meeting and I thought this would be a time when i would probably have had a glass of wine because i was nervous and i started to feel this i did actually start to feel this anxiety about being in london and going to a meeting because that for me um as an environment is very much where i was in the lead up to stopping drinking and we all know the lead up is the when it gets bad. Um and so for me, I was in London on my way to a meeting and I was like, Oh, well, I'm not going into a pub. I'm not going to have a glass of wine. There is what do I have? So I went into Starbucks and I did a meditation. <laughs> and I, I was like, I put my headphones in and I did the, put it on and I realized and that I think that was a really really key moment for me where I realized wow I'm different this is this is very different and lo and behold the meeting went great and I came out and I felt great and I felt fine I I felt I just felt good I didn't feel I oh god I didn't come out of there thinking what I said did I like just I'm good I'm all right and that was that's so it's so opposite to so how that used to be for me. And I again I treat myself with total compassion over that. And I know there could very easily be judgment on something like, oh what, you used to have a glass of wine before a meeting. Apps of fucking beat me because I was terrified and I had no idea how to deal with those feelings that were that that is my that is my story and I and I stand by it with um pride in the sense that I have overcome that and I am able to now do a little meditation before a meeting and go in and be fine. I'm really proud of that and it actually overshadowed what the the meeting was was great but for for me it wasn't even about that it was about how I had managed some feelings of anxiety and I just thought this this is the growth this is this is measurable growth for me because I I think especially being in an environment that I absolutely associate with probably my absolute rock bottom um to be able to really see like, it's like tangible evidence of growth. And I love those moments. Those moments just, I, I get so excited about those moments. And and actually on that, just, just sort of going back to alcohol, I guess, the something that I really realized recently in the last couple of months um, was the workload or the kind of work that I've been doing has been really really intense amazing but intense intense um writing and and rewrites and um it just sort of I guess just a very intense environment wonderful and creative and exactly what I want to be doing but intense and I realized the fact that I don't even allow myself just want that this this is the time where not allowing myself even one glass of wine comes into play because I know that with levels of stress or when things are getting a bit, when I'm tired, I know that that, those would be the times that the one would turn into (laughs) countless. (laughs) Um, So again, it's just been really, it's been so nice to kind of go back into a work environment and just be able to manage all the the, the naturally occurring feelings that go with a stressful work environment, and just know that i'm I am absolutely in the driving seat when it comes to how I respond and react and manage myself in those rooms and in in, in that kind of place. And that, yeah, I, I think that's just a, a, and again, another thing for me where it's like, oh, this is this is tangible growth again. I, I love that. I, I love those those moments where I can see. The work that I've done, that's kind of like the, that feels like the, a product that I can actually see and appreciate and get really excited over. So I'm very grateful for that. Mm. And actually, on the word gratitude, being able to be grateful for me, that I, I, to sort of, I can thank myself and go, thank, thank you for the decisions you've made. I'm great, I'm grateful to myself. Um, and that's massive because, with, again, like that—that—that that, that would have been an alien thought at some point. Be grateful to myself, not absolutely not it, and but to be able to actually go, well done, and thank you, and you're doing good. It's 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 never lost on me that that kind of those moments are never lost on me. I don't think they ever will be. I'm, I've got no business
0: to be, I guess, but I am immensely proud of you. And um, oh, it's been, it's just been really great because, you know, I think there's about six, six months between our sober, sober dates and it's just been wonderful. Yeah. Because, you know, there there have been times in those four years where we've been like really in touch and where we haven't. But it's really nice because and I think this this is the whole thing about you when you find your community, when you drink when you stop drinking, you kind of find like minded people. You cheer each other on and you don't have to yes. actively do that. But it's just but yeah, that yeah, kind so of you're like so
1: right. Like, yeah, go on, get it. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I remember actually that I think the very first podcast we did, you might have been about six months, you might have been maybe about six months sober at that point mm-hmm. because it was really really soon after that first episode that I quit and I remember you telling me about it and again this was probably oh, probably around the same time that I met Sam and she told me that she didn't drink then I did the podcast with you and you're like I've quit drinking and it was kind of like, hmm is the universe telling this? me something? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of yeah. And I remember you saying it, and I, I remember thinking, oh, if only I could do that. And I don't at that point don't know that I believed I could, but I think it certainly again it planted another seed where it was like, well, hang on, if she can, maybe I can as well. And then sort of seeing your progression with it, and also just having someone who it's almost like. You're kind of in the year above me. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> we swapped. <laughs> yeah, you're in the year the, the year above me at the sobriety school, and I'm kind of like, you know, it's just nice to see people, people's lives, really change. I mean, look what you're what you're doing and where you're at, and the you know where you are now compared to then, not just sort of circumstantially, but internally, it's incredible. It's incredible. That light that's within is like it's amazing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I, it's just I think it's just there's something to be said for the people that are like from that that are there like in all these moments and I think it's just wonderful and I'm so grateful that you came. On, and we had a a catch up. And I think that the stuff that you've shared as well is so relatable. And I think so many people can benefit from even just being like a little bit more positive about themselves and talking to themselves in a nicer way. And I hope so. Yeah. I think it's amazing. So I always say, um, at the end, you know, the, the podcast is called The Echoes. If you could leave a message in the echoes of this podcast for, people to hear what would it be
1: it's probably going to be actually something drinking related alcohol related in if you feel like alcohol is a problem in your life you owe it to yourself to remove it is probably what I would say thank you
0: thank you so much um i will as always pop all of the links and how people can find you you've got some really incredibly exciting things coming up um which i'm sure you'll be shouting about when you can on instagram and i will be
1: yelling from the rooftops there's a couple of things that i like i said to you yeah i'll keep quiet for now but um yeah i'm really excited really excited and you know, i will be i will be shouting absolutely in a really positive I'll, way yeah i'll be
0: shouting too like i i almost I'm, I'm almost lost it when you worked on a film with jessica alba i was like oh my god
1: <gasps> so can you imagine amazing. Um,
0: <laughs> but yeah so thank you so much and thank um, I'm you just really grateful for you
1: i'm very very grateful for you too thank you so much